right, welcome everyone to the greatest sports show on the internet, Sports News and Brews Podcast. Hey, this past weekend for the six-pack, I went three, three and three. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do so as good as the previous. I'm eight and four overall for the last two weeks, but uh, yeah, three, I went three and three this weekend. I had a couple, there's one game, the Cowboys and uh, Seahawks, that one could have really went either way, but Eagles lose it, or I'm sorry, the Bears losing to Philly, and then the Alabama game uh, definitely went a little bit more unpredicted, uh, or yeah, went a little bit crazier than I thought it was going to go, especially the Alabama game, but um, let's get into uh, this week's beer. So I'm going to drink San Miguel, San, San Miguel beer. It's a pale Pilsen beer. It's a product of the Philippines. I've been to the Philippines and I drank a copious amount of Red Horse, but I've never had San Miguel. So I'm going to give that a go throughout the show and then, of course, let you guys know if I drink another six-pack of it or leave it on the shelf. Speaking of shelves, you should get an awesome thing that you could put on your shelf or hang on your wall or use in your living room by going to ESF Woodwork and checking out what they can do for you as far as plaques or kind of woodworking designs that you could hang upon your wall. Uh, they do military or they do the challenge coin uh, holders from a military folk out there. And then also he does uh, tables like uh, coffee tables, furniture in general, but uh, he can do you a nice coffee table with custom designs uh, built into the table itself or just a normal nice coffee table or table dining room table that you'd like to have in your house so go to esf woodwork on facebook to check those guys out there five star review business and have a very fast turnaround time for you hitting them up on that custom quote they'll get back to you real quick all right so let us recap this past weekend's game so dallas winning like I said, that one was not so much of a surprise because uh, really the Seahawks and the and the Cowboys were kind of similarly, you know, they're very similar teams in what they were trying to accomplish and, what, and how they are built. So Dallas winning is not necessarily a surprise. The worst part about Dallas winning is the fact that I got to listen to fucking Dallas fans talk about how they fucking, they win one playoff game and now they're fucking, they're the best team in the NFL and they're definitely going to be in the Super Bowl this year and it's their fucking year because they finally win a fucking playoff game. Ugh, that's the most frustrating thing about Dallas winning. Uh, I'll get into whether or not I think they're going to win the next game in the six pack, but uh, do I think Dallas is going to the Super Bowl? Fuck no. <laughs> Hell fucking no. Uh, Clemson beat the brakes off Alabama. So Alabama, I had, I had picked them to win the national championship game. I thought... That it was going to be the reverse, really. I thought Alabama was going to come out fast and hard. And Clemson was going to come out start off a little slow. And then Alabama was going to build a big lead going into the going into halftime. And then Clemson would kind of battle back a little bit to make the game somewhat interesting uh, in that second half of the game. However, it didn't go like that at all. Uh, yeah, that one was very surprising. It was, It's not so much surprising that Alabama lost as it is surprising that they got beat so badly so badly some of it was coaching decisions going forward on fourth uh on fourth down three times in the red zone and and failing all three times and walking away with no well one of those times was a fake field goal so but you're walking away with zero points in those scenarios not that nine points would have made a difference in the outcome of the game probably but it does build some sort of momentum 
if you believe in that kind of stuff. But I think it, it could have played something into the psyche of the players, build them up maybe a little bit, could have changed the tone of the game because it definitely did uh, build momentum for Clemson that they stopped them and they didn't score any points. And then Clemson would drive down the field and score on them. So, yeah, Alabama losing their asses off was definitely uh, a big, big surprise. Then um, the other loss that I had for the weekend – uh, and my pick six was the Bears. I thought the Bears, they pretty much did what I thought they were going to do. I mean, they only gave up 16 points, but uh, their offense couldn't really get anything going. And then, of course, the end of the game came down to that uh, last minute, last second field goal that was missed to hit the cross. Well, ended up being now ruled as a blocked kick. Um, of course, everybody immediately after was in an uproar about this guy missing the kick, Cody Parker missing his kick. Um, it's, and then giving this guy a whole bunch of dog, you know, dogging on him for missing the kick, which ended up being blocked anyways. But real quick, uh, so I can take a sip of beer, I'm going to play you some uh, words of wisdom by fucking Rex Ryan. Listen to what this fool had to say about Cody Parker's kick. Well, my thoughts are you got one job to do. I mean, it, it comes down to one play, and, and every coaches will always be like, well, it's not just that one play. Yes, it is. You have a job to do. you got to make that kick. And the fact you didn't, like, I don't feel sorry for him. I'm so, I, a lot of people, oh, I feel sorry for that kid. Really? How about feeling sorry for his teammates and everybody else, the fan base and everybody else you let down? I'm sorry. That's, th- this guy doesn't prepare. They, they don't do meetings. They don't do anything. You make a kick. And in that situation, you you got to sit back. That's why you're a professional. It's like a golfer missing a, a four-foot putt. Yep. If you're a pro, you make it, and that's what this kid's got to do. I don't feel... All right. Rex Ryan saying, basically, he doesn't feel sorry for this guy missing a kick. Of course, he said this the day after, so it wasn't a uh, wasn't officially ruled as a block kick. However, if you paid attention to anything, you would know that uh, by that, by at least by the next day, that there was contemplating it being ruled because they could see that somebody's hand had tipped it. Here's my problem with it. Uh, first off, Rex Ryan, shut the fuck up. He would say most coaches would do and basically saying that he wouldn't do that. Well, it's exactly why he's probably not a fucking NFL coach right now. That's why his fat ass is sitting behind a desk at ESPN because nobody fucking wants to hire him. How many job openings are there every fucking year and Rex Ryan never gets even talked about, never even in the conversation of being a head coach? Because he's trash. And this just goes to that. But it does bring up a, a point where everybody wants, even though, even before it was ruled, everybody was 100% on this guy for missing that kick. This guy scored nine fucking points. He scored more points than the entire offense of the fucking Bears did all day. He went three for three and then missed the fourth field goal. It, hap- it just so happened it happened to be the last one. And it's a 43-yard fucking kick in Soldier fucking field in the cold, windy Soldier field. In fact, he went three for three already is is good enough for me. So, I don't know. I don't think you can blame the kid for missing a fucking kick. That kick. And you can say, and like his point was, you know, it doesn't come down to just one play or that particular play. It doesn't. It doesn't. Everybody knows that. The offense could have did more. The defense could have made a fucking stop. They could have made a fucking, the two-point conversion and the game would have been tied instead of having a fucking kick a field goal to win it. That kind of shit. But no matter what or whatever it is, the legend of 
good old St. Nick continues on and he'll go play again this weekend against the, uh, the saints. We'll see how that plays out. And that'll be again, one of my, one of my picks in the six pack this weekend. So we'll go more into detail there. All right. Last week I talked about Antonio Brown and the drama that was surrounding him and how they should take more of a look at, you know, the coach and Mike Tomlin on the situation because you have two guys that basically said, fuck the Steeler organization. I still stand by that in in a way. They still need to look and see because I think like more stuff has come out there. They say like Antonio Brown has kind of been a toxic team player ever since he got paid and all this other shit. It's more about what Antonio Brown can do than, than the team more of an individual effort in his mind than it is a team effort. So I get that. And I, and I do think that overall, if, if nothing else, Antonio Brown probably should be traded, probably should get the trade. It would suck for the Steelers, of course, to lose a top tier, you know, wide receiver. But at the same time, they could actually maybe improve their organization by getting rid of a can by getting rid of a cancer that still does not exonerate Mike Tomlin in my mind, because the rumor, or at least the word on the street, is that he's a player's coach, right? He's a player's coach, whatever the fuck you want to take that as, and whatever as the meaning behind it. But they've had this, this isn't the first time they had this problem. They've had this problem with Santonio Holmes, and we all, and then he got traded the fuck out. Like, this is the third player, at least third player, that I can name off the top of my head. So there's, if there's one thing, you know what I mean? Maybe it's a, a fluke, two things could be a coincidence, but three is starting a trend. I think you do have to look at and see, is he creating the environment that is essentially letting these players turn into these cancers? I know there's individual responsibility on Antonio's Brown, Antonio Brown's part to not be a fucking douchebag. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if it doesn't get corrected early on, it has the potential to explode to the point that it is now. So I do think there has got to be some kind of look into Mike Tomlin as a leader of the team, as that coach on what he's doing to to stop this stuff before it becomes a problem or is he creating an environment where it he allows it to fester and grow until it reaches a tipping point that's what i'm saying for antonio brown or in general really for mike tomlin antonio brown though if he's a fucking cancer as cancerous as everybody keeps all his teammates keep or former teammates keep come out and say yeah send his ass down the road like i said it's going to hurt but it's not going to hurt him that bad you know what i mean they're still pretty decent at wide receiver do they have, they're not as, as good with Antonio Brown, but they can live without him. We, they proved that with Le'Veon Bell. Well, we'll just, we'll find another running back that can do it for us. And they sure as fuck did two years in a row. I might add, we're not two years in a row, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. All right. So let's talk about, uh, coach coaching hirings. So the wheel, or I shouldn't say the, the carousel of coaching has started to, the dust has started to finally settle on some of these openings, these vacancies for head coaches. I'm not going to touch on necessarily all of them. I'm not going to go like like OC, who ended up being a, like an OC somewhere that was a head coach or anything like that. Um, I was kind of touch on some of the, the three that I think are, are the most surprising so far, um, or surprising. Bruce Aarons coming out of retirement to go to the Buccaneers. That's a little surprising. But... Um, yeah, they're gonna. Bruce Aarons is officially announced as the new head coach of the Buccaneers. He's bringing Todd Bowles in as the defensive coordinator. 
So it should be some good stuff. But obviously the biggest challenge for Aaron's, who is uh, known as a quarterback coach, more or less, um, is getting what he can out of James Winston. I think this is the last straw for James Winston. Like if he cannot, if Aaron's comes in and Winston still underperforms to his potential or just plays mediocre, I think we see Winston gone. I think he goes, he's traded, cut, whatever. I'm not sure what his contract looks like uh, past this year. So he may be on the trade block, if nothing else, uh, to get or to be shipped down or just relegated down to a number two. But they'll probably try to get some value out of him if he does pour again this year. Uh, Then you got Cliff Kingsbury from Texas Tech slash USC for about a week or whatever. Uh, Hired as a Cardinals head coach. A little weird, right? That's not something I think anybody expected to hear that they were going to go with him. But he is a coach that has coached, you know, Case Keenum. He's coached Baker Mayfield. Of course, most most recently was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes is what I try to say to make the joke, but I fucked it up. But Patrick Mahomes. Uh, of course, he was actually an NFL quarterback himself, although he was not really much of one. Um but he is expected now to get to do that. That resume helps him, or at least puts out pressure on him to get the most out of Josh Rosen. So, I mean, he can't do any worse than, you know, the past what the Cardinals did this past season as a head coach. So, I will. I can understand it. I can understand him taking. He's viewed as somebody that has a young ish, you know, young but bright uh, offensive mind. So, bringing him in, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it as a more courageous and outside the box and taking a chance choice than fucking Matt LaFleur. This bothers me not. This is the most surprising one out of all of them. When you think of Green Bay Packers and you think of what they all, what what the whole conversation has been around their fucking head coach search and then out of the blue, out of the woodwork, you hear they're hiring Matt LaFleur. What? I don't get it. I'm not, I just, I don't understand it. It hurts me as a Packers fan. It hurts me as a Packers fan as well. <laughs> like, but he is kind of, the, there is conversation about him being heralded as kind of like a Sean McVay, you know, fucking, but I don't know, man. Like he's, can we blame his last season with his first, his first and only season as an offensive coordinator when in for the Titans, okay, can we blame him for the fact that they were like the 25th overall or 27th overall uh, offense in the entire NFL, the 29th, 29th in passing, which was, of course, what Green Bay is known for more so than running. But, and they're 20, I think they were 27th in points per game, 25th overall in offense. So, the future is not looking necessarily bright for Green Bay. But again, is he the one to blame for that poor offensive output? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there are injuries, of course. Mariota got injured like in the first game of the season again. Um, he was hurt through a good chunk of it. Then he was able to figure out how to get Derrick Henry involved and be more and super productive at the end of the season than like the last six games. But he has... Uh, a lot of success with working with quarterbacks, right? He did. He was with Jared Goff in 2017. Uh, Matt Ryan during Matt Ryan's uh, 2016 MVP season. 
And he was also the quarterback's coach for Washington when Robert Griffin III was the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and that was 2012. So he's not – I mean, I just don't understand how – I mean, they, maybe they saw something that we're not seeing, but if you're Green Bay and you're like, I have to make an upgrade from McCarthy. We have a coach with a winning record, a Super Bowl – and a perennial, or what is it, eight seasons in a row, Green Bay went to the fucking playoffs. And we need to make sure that we find somebody that's equal to or greater than Mike McCarthy. Really, they're looking for somebody that was better, right? Because they're trying to, they know they got a limited time left with Aaron Rodgers. And they're trying to do push all their chips all in to make sure that they can get as much out of these next few years with him. And then you fucking hire Matt LaFleur. Don't get it. I don't get it. That's not going all in at all. I mean, that's. Kingsbury, that's 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 a more all in taking a chance pick, you know. These get, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I don't get it. But he does. He is like I said, heralded as kind of like a Sean McVay as far as his offensive mindset goes. Uh, we'll see. The Titans did. <laughs> the Titans didn't do very well offensively. But again, it's the fucking Titans. So let's not put the fucking horse in front of, or I mean, the cart in front of the horse here by saying he's a terrible fucking offensive coordinator. He didn't have the greatest team to fucking work with. All right. Now he's got weapons. He's got a, you know, an MVP quarterback. He's got run two running backs uh, that are very good. And of course the receivers for green Bay, at least got Devonte Adams and everybody else seems to get fucking hurt. So we'll see how that goes. But that one was probably the most surprising coaching hiring uh, for me. Now the other ones that they're not hired yet, uh, but well, Josh McDaniels, he, was, he said he's out. He said, no more interviews. I'm staying with the Pats. All right. I guess he's consist, He's content with being a uh, a coordinator. So he's out of the running for the next, for these last few openings. And then Vic Vangio, Fangio, Vic Fangio, and, you know, for the Bears, defensive coordinator for the Bears, and then the O-line coach, Mike Munchek, from the Steelers are the Broncos you know, narrowed down choices. Those are, it's going to be between those two guys, according to the Denver Broncos. So doesn't look like, and then of course the jets are still out there and I'm telling you, Mike McCarthy's going to the motherfucking jets, but that's all the more I got to say about the coaching hires. Like I said, Matt LaFleur, definitely the most shocking one that green Bay would, would go with that. Even cliff uh, Kingsbury is definitely a surprising one. Uh, just kind of came out of nowhere. I think more, more so, uh, than anything else. Um, that's it. It's going to be a pretty short one, uh, today. Actually, you know what? There's one thing. Can we talk about real quick? Just real quick. How the fuck, why is ESPN have to talk about LeBron James every five seconds? Can we talk about that for a minute? Can we talk about how the fact that he's like on every, he's got like nine shows on ESPN right now. Can we, can we address that? Why the fuck is LeBron James all over ESPN all the goddamn time? My phone gets alerts. LeBron James took a shit today. And it was fucking purple. I don't fucking know. Like all the time, if you watch Sports Center, anything on ESPN, we could be fucking watching golf on goddamn ESPN, and somehow LeBron James' name is gonna get brought the fuck up in a conversation of something. But now he's got that series on ESPN Plus. I mean, just constant, constant LeBron James on ESPN. I guess nobody else fucking plays in the NBA. But uh, yeah, I just want to talk about that real quick. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. All right, let's get into the six-pack and see if I can improve my record for 
and, and keep myself on the winning winning side. All right, so we'll start with some Friday NBA basketball. Los Angeles Lakers at Utah at the Utah Jazz. I'm going to go with the home team on this one. I'm going to take the Jazz over the Lakers. Uh, Saturday basketball. San Antonio Spurs at Oklahoma City. Again, I'm going with the home team. I just think San Antonio, they're okay. I mean, as long as they got Popovich, they're always going to be a good team. But I think OKC, they're still doing, they're actually pretty fucking good this year. And as long as they keep rolling with what they've been doing, they should easily take care of the Spurs. Then let's go to that playoff football the Colts at Kansas City. The Colts did a little bit better than I thought they were going to do uh, this past weekend. Uh, their defense did, but I don't see the Rams. Or I'm sorry, I don't see the Colts going into Arrowhead and beating the Chiefs. Just don't see that happening. I think that they could definitely match offensively. They can match point for point, but I don't think their defense is going to be a, uh, enough to stop the fucking offensive machine that is Kansas City. So I'm going to go with Kansas City Chiefs over Indianapolis Colts uh, for the first Saturday playoff game. All right, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys at the L.A. Rams. This one's easy. L.A. Rams at home, much better team than the Dallas Cowboys. The biggest reason is the defense. The Rams defense is going to shut down Ezekiel Elliott, make Dak Prescott throw with his arm, more so, more often than he is going to want to. Not to mention the fact that when he does that, they're going to bring the heat on him. So I'm going with the Rams being a defensive powerhouse and taking down Dallas. Of course, Dallas isn't going past. They're not making it any further than they have. Then Sunday, last two games. Uh, Chargers at the Patriots. This one's a little bit difficult. I do have the Chargers going to the Super Bowl, but... This will obviously be the biggest test for them thus far in the playoffs. I think if they can beat the Patriots, it doesn't matter who they play next, whether that's uh, Kansas City or Indianapolis. So because they're my Super Bowl pick, I am going to take the Chargers going into uh, into New England and beating the Patriots, but I think it's going to be a close game for sure. And I obviously it's hard to bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots in playoff football. We see how that goes every fucking year. Then lastly, the Philadelphia Eagles at the New Orleans Saints. I am going to very foolishly pick against fucking Nick Foles again, but I do think that the Saints are a much better team, obviously, than the number one seed, but I do think they are still uh, better. Uh, Even with that break, the Saints will come out fired up, take care of business and beat and put to bed the legend of Nick Foles. He will not make it to another Super Bowl this year. I promise you. All right. That's this week's six pack. Hey, as always, if you disagree with any of those picks or want to argue with me about it, go on eight up media on Facebook, the number eight UP media, and then use a hashtag sports news and brews and you can make your own picks or you can single out one of mine and tell me I'm stupid. However, you would like to choose or do that. All right, this week's, oh no, I got to do the beer review, I almost did it, no, 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 I'll do this first, all right, so this week's uh, unusual sport is Bosa Ball or Bossa Ball, Bossa Ball, Bosa Ball or Bossa Ball, whatever, all right, it's a teen sport that originated in Spain, 
and it was conceptualized by a Belgian, Philippe, I don't know, whatever, in 2005. All right, so the game consists of two teams combining the elements of volleyball, football, gymnastics with music into sport. It is played on an inflatable court featuring a trampoline on each side of the net. (coughs) The trampolines allow the players to bounce high enough to spike the ball over the net and score direct points. Hey, I saw a picture of it. It looks like a fucking bouncy house. It looks like a bouncy house with no walls, essentially. Uh, It's a game played between two teams of four players, so four players on each team. The aim is for each team to ground the ball on the opponent's field. So it's kind of, like I said, like they said, it's a little bit of volleyball and it's really, that's more so when they say football, I think they actually meant soccer, you know, but, um, yeah, it's kind of like volleyball, but you can, you can volley it or you can kick it. It's weird. I try to like watch a couple of videos of it, but yeah, it looks like a fucking bouncy house. It's just grown ass adults on a bouncy house with a trampoline and it's fucking, I don't know, man, it looks actually kind of fun. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like it looks like someone. That would be somewhat entertaining to play because uh, you get the added added height from the trampoline, so you get to do more fuckery and instead of just trying to do some crazy-ass volleyball shit. But that is this week's weird, unusual, or unheard-of sport. Bosa ball, B-O-S-S-A, and then ball, All right, if you want to look it up for yourself online. All right, this week's beer review. So I took a couple sips of the old San Miguel. It is not bad. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It's just not bad. It tastes kind of just like any other fucking beer. It's not, there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing great about it. It's just a mediocre beer. It just tastes like a regular Pilsner beer. Like, kind of like a Miller Genuine Draft. It's really what it tastes like. Uh, so I'm very excited that I paid, you know, import prices on a domestic beer that, yeah. But would I buy another six pack of it? No, it's too expensive to do such. But and you can literally get this beer anywhere. Like I said, Miller Genuine Draft, maybe even Budweiser. It tastes like one of those types of beers. There's nothing fucking fantastic about it. It's just your run of the mill, run of the mill beer. All right, guys. So that does it for this week. If you want to, again, go on Eight Up Media, and you can use the hashtag Sports News and Bruce Podcast, and you can talk. You can make any kind of comment about the podcast or topics that have been covered this week or last week or any week to come but you can like and follow that page to stay up to date and also to contact the page so that's it guys that is all i got if you're gonna drink be responsibly irresponsible